0: Is Andre Harrison back at it once again with episode 23 with the of the Motorsport 101 podcast here on harrison101.com and on iTunes. First of all, an almighty apology. It has been three and a half weeks since the last time I've done one of these. I know I am a terribly lazy human being and I can only apologise in advance. <laughs> and what makes this even worse is the fact that this is basically the second time we're recording this show. It's like continuing our parallel trend with the finish line, <laughs> where I was on that last time around and it didn't work because I had technical problems, basically. In this instance, I've now got the same deal now because this is the second attempt at our latest show because we had Adam Johnson on the last one and then for some reason my MP3 Skype recorder just stopped working. <laughs> so, this is our second attempt at this show now. Hopefully, it will run nice and smooth second time round. because if not, I'm going to start crying. Um, in the meantime, we have my usual cohort and assistant, Mr. Ryan King. Good evening, sir.
1: <laughs> Good evening. Fun.
0: Please make sure your internet doesn't die or anything. Please do not remove your microphone or that he doesn't kick out. We, this has got to go right this time, okay? <laughs>
1: yeah, everything's secured, so there should be no issues.
0: <laughs> no no, no like no loose USB cables or nothing, all right? Um <laughs> Because trust me, that's what happened to me on the finish line, and I wasn't pretty. Uh, but um, yeah, trust, trust me, I promise you, we'll be back to something re- regarding a weekly schedule, you know, um, in the next week or so, hopefully. We'll be back after the Italian Grand Prix, I promise. So, on this pretty heat catch up edition of the show. Uh, We'll be talking about IndyCar to um, headline the show for obvious reasons, talking about the tragic passing of Justin Wilson this time last week. We'll briefly go over Pocono as well, and then the craziness that it was the... uh, final round of the championship um, last night at Sonoma, and uh, Scott Dixon winning the race and his fourth IndyCar Series championship um, on a countback, something you never (laughs) thought you would see as we went into the final round with six potential title contenders, and we'll talk about all the craziness, how Team Penske imploded during the final round, and how a four-time champion of his own, Sebastian Borde, decided to go full crazy by hitting the back of Rahul, and the copious amounts of salt that are in the stock up as we speak <laughs> Um, on top of that we'll be talking about Formula 1 we'll be talking about the Belgian Grand Prix we'll be talking about the driver market and now Ferrari announced Kimi Raikkonen has been retained and a whole heap of stuff about Lotus Charles Peek suing the team trucks being seized by bailiffs Renault potentially buying the team Renault potentially buying Force India who knows what's going on we'll try and make sense of it all during the show oh and apparently there was a Grand Prix too Lewis Hamilton taking the win we'll be talking about Pirelli Hamilton's 39th career victory how Max Verstappen is a bloody mentalist, (laughs) and pretty much all the stuff that that came out of the Belgian Grand Prix, which wasn't much to be honest but still, and we'll be talking a little bit over MotoGP, we'll be talking about Valentino Rossi um, at the British Grand Prix. We're kind of skipping everybody because not much really happened because, you know, hashtag Lorenzo wins lol basically. So, we'll be talking about the British Grand Prix instead. Valentino Rossi's win. Mark Marquez going down in a blaze of mediocrity and gravel. Danilo Petrucci is now my new hero. All of that as well as Jack Miller basically going full dive bomb on Carl Crutcher like he's playing F1 2014. And Nicky Hayden somehow finds a way to still keep himself relevant by being the best open class runner. We'll also talk about Moto2 and Joh- Johann. Sar- Marco curb stomping the opposition uh, ahead of Alex Rins and the two Mark VDS bikes, as well as Sam Lowe's and why he's going to get a paste in on Friday's episode of Bike Live. And finally, we'll be talking about Moto 3, which ended up being a war of attrition and a coronation for Danny Kent. All of that, and probably a whole heap of segments and a whole heap of sidetracks and goodness knows what else on episode 23 of Minnesport 101. So we're starting the MotorSport 101 podcast this week with a, obviously a rather piece of tragic news. I'm sure many if you listen to this I'm sure you're well aware of of the passing of Justin Wilson this past week due to being struck in the head with a part of Sage Karam's car during the um, during the Pocono race um 2 weeks ago in IndyCar. It, um, obviously king nothing short of a tragic accident indeed and um just, uh, a real shell shock, uh, especially given the timing of it all. I mean, we only had Jules Bianchi pass about six weeks ago. And, um, now, as we're still kind of recovering from the heels of that, we've had another tragic, tragic loss, um, in the world of.
1: Yeah, it, it, it still is a complete shock. It, it, it's hard to comprehend what actually, you know, happened. It, it seemed like it all happened so fast and, no one, no one could have foreseen this.
0: Uh, but, um, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I mean, we were watching that race on Skype as it happened, and, you know, even when something like that happened, you don't really think much of it at the time, but, uh, you know, the crash happened, obviously, Karim, Karim spun out from the lead, hit the wall... A piece of a piece of the rear end plate of um Karim's car came off and struck Wilson in the head, and we didn't see that till I think maybe ten fifteen minutes after the crash originally happened. But Karen was able to walk away on his own power, and we thought, okay, that's great. But Wilson had still not got they still hadn't gotten Wilson out of the car yet, and um, obviously as time went on, it got more and more of a concern. And then they showed the replay, and then we know exactly what happened. And then it's just like, oh god. Oh god no! And the first one was, oh god, it hit him in the head. And, and surely not. And turns out, obviously, he was airlifted from the track. he was, he was airlifted to hospital and um, pronounced dead about twenty-four hours later. And just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And um, you know, in in the worst possible sense, that something like this had to happen. And it's just, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And. It's it's you're right. It's it's such a hard thing to wrap your head around because I've I've watched Justin Wilson from the time he was in Formula Three Thousand and I've grown up watching him. He was in Formula One with the Jaguar team and um, you know, just a I've I've never ever heard a bad word ever said against Justin Wilson King.
1: Yeah, never. Like you've you've heard bad things in the past about other drivers, like that come off as completely like genuine people. Like you heard, you know. Jensen Button is, you know, a playboy, but you never hear anything about, you know, you never heard anything about Justin Wilson.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and um, you know, just all 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 talk, you know, has, has been about how you know, how delightful a delightful human being he was, a role model for people because he, he he was dyslexic, and as a guy on the autistic spectrum myself, I can I can certainly relate to that, and you know how. Um, how troublesome that is and, you know, how much of a role model he was. And again, just not a bad word under the sun that could ever be said. And the tributes have been touching, heartwarming um, and the like. And obviously IndyCar, you know, had their tribute towards him at um at Pocono this, this, um the Pocono sorry at Simone this past weekend and um you know they played the British National Anthem they had a beautifully done tribute video and um everybody was 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 you know f- sad yet um you know positive and good spirits and uh you know celebrating uh so to speak uh Justin's life and uh he leaves behind his brother Stefan who was a driver in his own right his wife and two and two gorgeous little girls as well and it's all the more tragic for them they've just lost their dad and um just so you guys know already in case you didn't know um, Wilson's family is taking donations Um, if you would like to donate anything you can spare I know Oriol Servia had a a brilliant idea in the sense of hey if you you came down for the race this weekend why not donate the same again to his family and that's actually a really clever idea Um, if you want to donate you can do so by sending an address, um, sending a donation to the address of Wilson's Children's Fund um, at IndyCar four five five one West Sixteenth Street, Indianapolis, IN four six Triple Two. Or you can now go on uh, go online on the website justinwilson.com dot com slash donate for more information. Uh, everything will go towards Justin's family. Um anything else you'd like to add, Ryan, real quick? Oof, no, not not in
1: particular. Just that uh Justin will never be forgotten, just like Dan Weldon from a few years ago his memory will certainly live on
0: yeah that's yeah the thing that's, I think is just about right and um, again obviously from both and everybody here at the podcast um, obviously rest in peace Justin and uh, obviously my thoughts and continued prayers go out to Justin's family, friends and the IndyCar community, what's been a pretty terrible time for them as well and it's kind of reminiscent of the whole season in general it's like this IndyCar season for me personally has been amazing to watch and I've thoroughly enjoyed the racing so far this year and on the flip side, there's been so many downsides at the same time, right? I mean, we had Fontana, which was an incredible Grand Prix, but it, it reignited the debate on pack racing and the fact that the attendance was so miserable. And, you know, it's it's kind of been a story of the season. Like, Milwaukee was a great race, but then uh, there was risk it might get taken off the calendar. And it's like with every pie that IndyCar has, it has to have some kind of load to go with it. It's been kind of bizarre in that regard, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, ugh someone growing up watching indycar it's
1: the usual usual mm. thing for indycar
0: but but um yeah i mean as, as a first time viewer i was just shocked it's like it's, it's like the series just can't catch a break it's really bizarre in that regard i know I'm, I'm gonna be screamed at from the other end of the headphones by people that listen to this saying but dre it's like this every year you have no idea do you it's like <laughs> no no i don't believe it or not <laughs> and um i guess i learned that firsthand so um obviously you know hoping hope car can get a positive break cuz again the racing has been spectacular this season and uh you know it's not as it's sad to talk about justin we're a positive show we have a laugh on this podcast and that's how we deal with things so hopefully you guys can understand that as we go forward but sonoma and the season finale we were going in with <laughs> with 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 six potential title contenders we had three Penskeys of of willpower championship leader juan pablo montoya and Helio Castroneves, who had an outside chance, as well as Scott Dixon, um, the American hero, Graham Ray Hall <laughs> and yeah, the other young American hero, Joseph Newgarden, um, who really seemed to take the idea of the GoPro GP to his head because he wouldn't take the GoPro off his damn head whenever he was around in the bloody pit lane because... Oh, God. <laughs> like... All right, Joseph, we get it. Your car is sponsored by GoPro this week, okay? You do Like, I know there's sponsorships, but that's going a bit far.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had the GoPro on the entire time. Like, when I say the entire time, the entire time.
0: <laughs> uh, exactly, and uh, yeah. Get that sponsor money, Joseph. Get that sponsor money is all I can say. Um, but... Like... Is it just me, or does Sonoma not seem like a good track for a season finale, given how difficult it is to pass around there?
1: Yeah, I would say it's... It's, like, the only place... No, actually, I would say it's easier to overtake at Long Beach. I'd say it's the most difficult place to overtake on the calendar.
0: Yeah, so, of course, we make it the season finale. (laughs) IndyCar, everybody! Um, (laughs) But wine country, though. Wine country. (laughs) that's meant to be appealing to me I don't drink King. <laughs> for the drivers to apparently because Scott Dixon was down in that line after he won the race but um, cl- clearly I'm missing something but um, it-, it was. I'd say a much better race on paper than it probably deserved to be. I think the first half was a little bit boring, um, but once we had the first caution, I think it was for for Luca Filippi having a mechanical failure of some kind, Um, then all hell broke loose, because Willpower, who was comfortably leading the race, um, was at, at, at a pit. Obviously, the sequence got muddled around. As a result, through pit road, Scott Dixon came out in front, and then the next thing you know, Newgarden's car's on fire. He stalls it, so Newgarden's out of the running, and he was looking very good as well, unfortunately. Um, Shout-out to Newgarden, though. He's had a fantastic season by all by, by all by all accounts. He's done a brilliant job. It's a shame that he got a zero at the end because it's kind of made his season look not quite as good as it probably should be, um, to be honest with you, but... Uh, Guess that's just racing now and again, but um, yeah, I mean, once Dixon got to the front of the field King, he was gone, yeah,
1: Dixon does as Dixon does, he gets ahead, and he leads the entire way,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like i I was tweeting out during the race i was I put in a picture of this of the pit of the paper from The Simpsons where it's like grandpa simpson is just going old man yells at cloud in the same way they were summing up scott dixon leading a race being boring because he's just some kind of wizard when it comes to saving fuel and still being able to be really fast yeah i like it's like I know, I know even adam johnson friend of the show was saying oh he's the horge lorenzo of indy kind of like don't you insult dixon like that He's a perfectly mellow and likable guy. I've listened to him on the Hinches podcast. Like, Dixon's a good guy. Leave him alone. Um, but um it it didn't get any better for the Penske boys after Helio had wing damage early on at the start of the race, and then King Montoya and Power came together.
1: Ooh, that was not a bright moment for Team Penske.
0: As Yes. Yeah, it's like, you you could tell the contrast. Like, the Ganassi boys were getting up there to help Dixon out. And Tony Kanaan pulled off three or four exceptional passes to get himself into contention to basically use himself and Charlie Kimball as buffers for Dixon, so to speak. The Penske boys, no, they're fighting each other. (laughs) Now, I I, I mean, where do you put the blame on this one, King, for the Montoya power incident?
1: Oh, like... I want to say it was a racing incident that, you know, Mm. Montoya didn't have to be so close, but Dixon, I mean, and but Power didn't have to move over, but uh, I would say it's a racing incident. There's blame to be put on both of them.
0: Yeah, there's only put on both of them, and, you know, to be fair, New Garden did go wide, and Power had to react to that, and Yeah, it's kind of like a chain reaction, really, where one one guy's done one thing, another guy's done another thing, and next thing you know, Montoya's tried to dive-bomb Nanny inside on Power, and it it was a hole that was always going to close, if you ask me. Um, Again, I know, like, Power's got no right to move over, given that he also was eligible to win the championship. (laughs) So I understand that Power wasn't going to give that one up easy. Um, If Power was out of the title race no he probably still done the same thing to me because he's Will Power but Will <laughs> Power doesn't do moving over for people uh, I don't think he's that kind of guy personally um, which also led to the hilarious tweet from his brother Damien who basically replicated Will Power's double middle finger salute <laughs> in in the direction of Juan Pablo Montoya which was swiftly deleted from Twitter so I think Penske must have had a word of him saying no you better take that shit down <laughs> Would have it. We're having an internal PR storm.
1: We gotta look like we gotta look like buddies. We gotta look like buddies.
0: <laughs> Even though three quarters of the team is eligible for the championship, but we'll ignore that, <laughs> so to speak. And um, yeah, a, a bizarre incident, and I think it was more of a chain reaction than anything else. But um, unfortunate for uh, for Monty and Power, who um, you know didn't really do too much wrong. It's just you know. Shit happens, so to speak. And um, we had another incident towards the end of the race. Um, There was a caution that came in of about 15 laps to go. Ray Hall knew what he had to do. He had to try and get up the field to try and, uh, you know, stop Dixon from winning the championship. But Ray Hall apparently had a really bad car this weekend because that's the Graham Ray Hall way of doing things. He praises his team at every given opportunity, right until the point where the car ends up being a bit shit. Like he completely threw them under the bus on TV. He's like, oh, "Guys, the guys, the car is terrible today. Yeah, the rear, like he almost spun around the hairpin at twenty miles an hour. kind <laughs> <laughs> of like, okay, Graham. <laughs> it's like, it's like the picture crew must have been thinking what, what are we gonna do here? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what are we all about to do?' But um
1: I'm pretty sure the the picture that I tweeted out completely just how Graham went into that race. <laughs> like, all smiles, but when things are like, I thought I had it. I, I had it.
0: Yep, I thought I had it while holding a, a pair of Ohio State Buckeye gloves. What a guy. And, uh, yeah. And next thing you know, poor Graham, just just to put the, the, the cherry on the pie I made out of dog meat for his final round of the season, Sebastian Borde takes him out. <laughs> like... I know Bourdais is your boy, King. Yeah. yeah. But, tr- but try to defend this one. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. Bonehead move, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> Completely boneheaded, like someone of his experience. That should be this.
0: This is a four-time series champion and one of the best drivers of, of, the-, of the 21st century. And what do you do... You go the complete wrong way and drive into the back of of, of Graham Ray Hall like you're a twelve-year-old playing an F1 game. Oh, it's it I don't I don't get what on earth Borday was thinking there. Ray Hall had the defensive line. You you gotta go the long way around, you're probably not gonna make it work, but you know, you just gonna have to do that shit. Instead, Borday tries tries a really l- late lunge and you know gets his braking wrong, drives into the back of Ray Hall. Ray was able to recover but his race is effectively over at that point. Borde gets a drive through penalty as a, as a result. I mean, race control were very quick on that one. <laughs> and rightly so because I think people I think the Indycar must have seen the Twitter mentions blow up, like, Hey, where's race control at here? <laughs> 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 like we, we want Ray Hall to win this championship basically and uh yeah, um, Ray Hall just had it just a an awful race really by his standards and just, you know, a very very unlucky race and You know, not only that, so bad he ends up dropping from second to fourth in the championship. Um, Poor guy ends up finishing behind Will Power as a result of the donut he got for not finishing the race. Um, Poor guy. But uh, that's just one of those things, I suppose. But uh, uh, overall, a pretty crazy race, wouldn't you say, King? Yeah,
1: very, very crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, again, given that it's Sonoma, and a track where it's almost impossible to pass, that makes it all the more ridiculous, given the fact that... uh, you know you you don't normally you know, associate this track with passing and yet there you go a, a crazy crazy season finale Scott Dixon taking the win um with, he gets the maximum 103 points because he not only did he win, he led a lap and led the most number of laps. He got the two bonus points where that's concerned. It ended up being quite important. And I'll explain why in a minute. But yeah, Dixon, we have 103 points. We're taking the win. Ryan Hunter Ray, very quietly there in second place. He's really done a brilliant job of turning his season around right to the death with two late wins in another couple of podiums. And turns out, there you go, he ends up sixth in the championship overall. And I think I'm right in saying, yeah, the top Andretti in the end. So he was worst Andretti through, like, over half the season, <laughs> and he ends up finishing as the best Andretti. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's uh, what that's what happens when you either finish first and second three times in the last four races.
0: Yep, Hunter Ray, everybody. A hell of a recovery job. <laughs> um... Charlie Kimball on the podium as well is like, Kimball, third place in both double point races. Way to make your season look way better than what it actually was. (laughs) (laughs) Because Kimball ends up finishing 12th in the championship with more points than Carlos Munoz. Of course. (laughs) And Carlos Munoz has won a race. And Munoz actually had a win. (laughs) But because Kimball got 70 points for two third places on the double pointers over here in the Indy 500. Turns out, hey, Kimball's podiums means he's now, you know, top in the championship overall. So, hey, well done, Kimball, for uh, being the opportunistic one on that one. Tony Cannon in fourth place, a well earned fourth place after some spectacular driving from TK during yeah. the race there. Much love to Tony Cannon. Keep him for another year, Ganassi. He's, too, he's far too entertaining for this <laughs> shit. <laughs> More TK. <laughs> um. Running the rest of the field real quick. A good day at the office for Schmidt-Peterson's Ryan Briscoe in fifth place there. Nice work from Briscoe in fifth place. Uh, then the two Penskeys who collided of Montoya in sixth. Will Power in seventh, who was still fuming after being effectively screwed out of the win. Or, you know, that's what Will Power would tell you, uh, so to speak. Uh, not now, Sato in eighth place. Um, and great result for Dale Coins Rodolfo Gonzalez in the top ten there as well in ninth. Just ahead of Michaela leshin uh on, on his comeback to Smith Peterson as well in tenth place, nice result for him. Uh, Marco Andretti eleventh, Oriel Servia who came in on short notice to 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 drive Justin's twenty-five car. A brilliant job from Oriol Servia in twelfth place for Andretti. Ahead of Savedra in thirteenth, Gabi Chavez in fourteenth. Castronevis in 15th, then Pagano, Coletti, poor Graham Rayhold in 18th place in the end, uh, ahead of Hawksworth, Borde, who was 20th after the drive through penalty, and then the retirements, Newgarden, um, who had, like I said, he had, he had some kind of engine fire and he stalled his car. Next thing you notice, the, the, uh, something's on fire on the back of his car. <laughs> yeah. It's like a it's like it's like a comedy sketch to, 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 to take on over New Garden's car for a second there, um, poor guy in twenty first. Then ahead of Munoz in twenty second, who parked his car on the apex. Uh, he beached it beautifully, like like, like the like, the curb on the inside of the hairpin was so high you could literally <laughs> just 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 have the rear of the car balancing in midair. Amazing. Um, Tristan Vortier in twenty third, Luca Felipe in twenty fourth, and then James Jakes was the first man out after. Um, It looks like they got Felipe's car going again because James Jakes had a retirement later on. I think something broke on the back of his car um, and he was straight into the tie. wall. kind of a scary one for Jakes there. But uh, yeah, there you go. And uh, the final championship standings after that. As we mentioned, Scott Dixon and Juan Pablo Montoya had the exact same number, 556 points. But... Scott Dixon takes the championship on countback with his three wins to Montoya's two. More on that later. Will Power third in the championship with 493 points, three ahead of a totally not pissed off Ray Hall family in four. <laughs> um, it's like, seriously, after that race, and he, uh, did, you see, did, you see, did you see the end of it, right, and how he confronts Borde at the end? Yeah. I think he said to him, and I quote, you drove like a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't say I blame him on that one (laughs) I wouldn't blame him if you started swinging for him at that point quite frankly (laughs) yeah but uh, that's how you get (laughs) fined worth it (laughs) (laughs) look think of the comedy gifts of a Ray Hall right hand knocking the glasses off Bordet's face oh god that's gold on the internet and you know it (laughs) yeah yeah
1: it would it would never go away just like the double birds (laughs) live
0: the double (laughs) birds that's that's just gonna be a thing forever (laughs) Like come on, Rahul, take your throne in internet immortality. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Helio Cashman Everson in fifth in with 453 points. Ryan Hunter Ray, like I said, makes a, um, a monumental recovery to get into sixth with his two wins of 436 points. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, 431 in seventh, just ahead of Tony Canon, who also had 431 on count back. Uh, Marco Andretti with 429, and Sebastian Borde, rounding off the top 10 of the championship with 406. But hey, he gets top Frenchman honors over Simon Pagenaud, who had 384, so yay. <laughs> <laughs> as you do, but um, that's to the end of the championship. Now, let's talk about after the race, King, and um, let's be real here. Penske was salty as hell.
1: Yeah, they, they were, there was salt to pour in that championship. They didn't win.
0: Yeah. Um, Montoya, I believe, after the race, said in the press conference... That uh, he said Scott's season was shit, and he won. You know, he only won the one. He had the one good race at the end, and that's what won him the championship. Did nobody tell Montoya that the Dixon won more races than you? Hence, why he was champion in the first place.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ed, go, go, on, go. On, go on. It seemed like he just like, oh, I'm going to completely forget what the rules are, and like tiebreakers most wins you didn't have the most wins so you didn't win the championship
0: yeah it's like montoya just basically forgot all comprehension of the rules at this point in time because you know then montoya bitched about the double point finale being a thing to which my response was but you won the indy 500 you pillock (laughs) (laughs) you won the he won a double points race you won a double points race what's the problem here (laughs) yeah
1: and if there was if there wasn't any double points, uh, Dixon would have won a championship by four points. <laughs>
0: yeah this was like seriously the double point argument actually makes your argument weaker because you would have lost the championship outright <laughs> yeah so, so it just makes it makes montoya's argument even even less invalid I, think, I, I don't know whether montoya's just being a dick about the whole thing whether he's just literally that thick i, I, I don't know which one it is yet um to be honest with you but yeah. was, i was just to say i was disappointed with his comments and you know power didn't help either because power was interviewed after the race and you know, bless him, he took one for the team by saying it was his fault that, you know, the Montoya crash happened, which it really wasn't Powell's fault, to be honest, but, you know, you know, he's he's, he's being a team player, King, he's being a team <laughs> player. Yeah, taking one for the team by actually taking responsibility for something, but then he blames, oh, the caution rule is a lottery, and I'm like, oh, God, <sighs> come on, Will. (laughs) You'll be better better than that, Will. Come on now.
1: (laughs) And then Graham later said, after Montoya's comments, he basically agreed to Montoya and was quoted as saying, I don't think any race should have double points.
0: Well, if you're going to argue against a double point system, I guess that's probably the the fairest way of saying it. Um, But I mean, it's completely
1: arbitrary. It doesn't matter what the point system is as long as it doesn't change during the season.
0: Exactly, it's like, you know what the rules are, you agree to them, what's the problem here? You know, and if it wasn't for the double points, we wouldn't have had such a thrilling finale at the end. So, you know, you look at it and you go, well, it did its job, quite frankly. And, you know, I think Ra- like, Hall would not complain about this if he was the one that was going to benefit from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's, it's a very convenient card you can play when you're the one that's the victim of it, basically. And, you know, fair play to Ray hall has got nothing to be ashamed of. He's had a fantastic season. He's a one-car team, and he's... You know he was better than almost everyone in terms of you know the big four car units of Penske, Ganassi, and Andretti, and he was a one man wrecking crew throughout the entire season. And yeah, you know, he should be very proud of what he's done. like he mentioned on Twitter himself, he was 19th in last year's championship. He went 125 races without winning before the Fontana one came around. So you know, Hall took a huge step forward this year. And he should be very proud of himself. His dad, on the other hand. <laughs> Um, he wasn't best pleased about this. Um, dropping dropping a a pipe bomb on Twitter. Um, this afternoon, where he said, and I quote, "Um, maybe we should read out the rules in French so that you they know, can understand the rule of basically don't have a, don't hit a title contender, so to speak." Obviously, referencing not only the board they hit on Ray Hall um, at uh, Sonoma, but also the Tristan, the Tristan Vortier hits in uh, Pocono that uh, cost Rahal uh, a retirement in that one too so <laughs> you could just tell the level of salt that's going on in the Hall garage at the moment King just so much salt just so much salt so I saw a little bit of casual racism there from Bobby Ray Hall that will go completely un- un- under the bus because why not? It's the French guys. That's the problem, King, clearly.
1: <laughs> they, they were the problem when when Paul Tracy was racing and they're still the problem today.
0: God damn it, Tracy. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like a curse. It's like the, the, the French curse won't go away, even, even if they're French-Canadian. <laughs> oh, and whatnot, but... Yeah,
1: um, but... On the it, within the same Ray Hall garage, you know, the co-owner of the team, David Letterman, said, "It doesn't matter what the outcome
0: was. He still feels the team were winners heading into the off season." Aww. <laughs> Letterman playing the old team card there. We win as a team, we lose the a team, and he looked like Santa Claus is on the run from the law. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like seriously, what? What? It's like Letterman's like, okay, I'm no longer on TV anymore. Let me just grow this shit out now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, yeah, basically. It's
0: like, seriously, I couldn't recognize him the first time. I was like, like, that's Letterman now? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god. Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, uh, he's right. Letterman Letterman, Ray Hall Anagan have a lot to look forward to in the offseason. And they're definitely, you know, I wouldn't count them out next year if, you know,
0: Graham decides to stay with the team, which he probably will. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see. I don't see why Ray Hall would leave. I mean, it's, it's not like he's going to knock on Andretti's door anytime. So it's like, "Hey, give me a seat, guys." <laughs> um, yeah, we don't really like you very much. <laughs> but I, don't, I, don't, I, I can I can certainly imagine Ray Hall um, sticking around for another year as well as I want. The, the big question is what's going to happen to Joseph Newgarden, and you know, Newgarden is a free agent at the end of the season, which is now. And uh, CFH, you know, obviously, I'm sure they'd like to keep him if if if, if possible. Is Ganassi gonna make the call, you reckon, King?
1: Uh, I don't know. Only time will tell, because IndyCar already had a long, silly season, and now it's even longer by the fact the season ended so early.
0: Yeah, it's like, the season ended in August. Like, the season finished in August. We, we're not racing again until friggin' March. <laughs> we gotta wait. We, we gotta take seven months of this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great! Can't wait for that, and let's let's see how many Brits end up in the class next year. My my guess is not many, but um, if you haven't seen it already, go go check out the race. It was actually a a surprisingly good race given the track involved, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. and uh, just like to say as well, it's been an absolute pleasure to watch IndyCar this season. We might do a full season review of some kind um, on a future show because you know the season started and we were kind of just, you know, only minorly talking about it and I think it's I think it's worth going into a little bit more detail. So maybe, probably, we'll do a season review on a future show. Of some kind, but it's been it's been a blast to watch. I think it's been a great season. Nine different winners in, in, in over the course of season. I mean, we had eleven last year, which was crazy. Which I didn't even realize until it's like, oh, we had eleven winners last year. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. <laughs> like this this wasn't even that spectacular in the end. Okay.
1: Yeah. But, um, to, to be honest, this
0: was a fairly average season. <laughs> shut up, King. <laughs> 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 it's my first time. Okay. <laughs> Leave me out of this. But um, again. Check out. uh, Genuinely, give IndyCar a watch. They will have all the races probably on their YouTube. (coughs) Eventually, by the time the off season rolls around, give them a watch. Most, the vast majority were at at worst good. Some of them were spectacular. So definitely check them out if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, overall a, a great season. And congratulations to Scott Dixon. The most laid-back man in in the world, quite frankly. Like he makes Kimi Raikkonen look silly in in that department. And uh, yeah, congratulations to Scully on his fourth title—a uh, monumental achievement to say the least. We'll take a quick musical break right now, and we will chat back with some Formula One talk. <laughs> Okay, we are back, and uh, we're going to be talking some Formula 1, and we'll we'll address the major news first, King, before we talk about some Belgian Grand Prix thing that took place that last weekend or something. But the big news coming out of Formula 1 this week, Kimi Raikkonen retains his seat at Ferrari. Uh,
1: uh, I mean, I don't want to say it it was surprising. It was a safe play from Ferrari to keep Kimi for another year.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last episode. We, we said that, uh, you know, it, I'm sure it would be really cool to see what Bottas or Hulkenberg could do in that seat, but, you know, the the fact that Raikkonen is a known quantity was probably a big plus going for him in that regard. Um, you know, it's, Ferrari's got a really good morale in camp right now. Vettel's having, a, obviously, a fantastic season, and, you know, Raikkonen is... Playing the the, you know, the accidental support role quite well enough. I think if anything, Raikkonen has been a bit unlucky. I think the, I think Raken has, had, has had the lion's share of the bad luck so far this season as well. Given you know, the Australia pit stop, the uh, the engine failure in Hungary, uh, etc. He's been a bit unlucky in that regard. He was he was uh, 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 well, yeah, I said say it was kind of you know he was taken out in Austria as well by Daniel Kvyat, which kind of went under the radar really as well. But. Uh, overall I see why they've done it I mean as a fan I can't lie I'd love to see Hulkenberg in there it's the fan in me King what can I say (laughs) I like I like seeing people have the apple car upset the same thing was happening on Facebook with MotoGP when the Nitto Petrucci came in second and we'll talk about that that later but everyone on Facebook was like give Petrucci the Honda seat and I'm like (laughs) Really? Yeah we're starting this discussion already? Like, just throw Pedrosa under the bus. He's like he clearly ain't shit no more, King, so that's, one of, the, that's one of those things apparently. But uh Raikkonen retained, and it's had quite it's quite it's had quite the knock on effect through the grid, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it it seemed to have a knock on effect, but not in like massive reshuffles everywhere, more like we're kind of near the end.
0: Yeah, it's I mean there really isn't much that could go down now that could change things I mean Haas still have two seats are they going to take somebody who's currently on the grid or maybe somebody else who's a reserve driver another team we'll have to wait and see but um, yeah Hulkenberg was Hass F1's top target and it was announced um, yesterday on via build that Hulkenberg uh, has re-signed for, for, signed for another team, so he's going to stick with Force India for 2016 makes sense King really doesn't it
1: yeah, it makes sense. Look, like it seemed like Hulkenberg staying was also predicated on him also being able to drive in the WEC with Porsche, as you know, other teams may not be so open to the idea of their driver moonlighting in other series, as we saw Ferrari, you know, say mm. no to John Eric Vern driving for Porsche this year.
0: And Fernando Alonso previously wanted to go to Le Mans and you know, Ferrari having none of that in the past. So that makes sense in that regard. That that would be a complicated one to get through. And I, I never looked at it that way before as well. But yeah, Force India loved the marketing you know, of Hülkenberg, you know, being a Porsche WEC driver on top. I guess it's, it's it's a nice cross promotion, so to speak. It makes sense for a midfield team to have that kind of thing there. You know, Vijay clearly saw the upside in that. But uh, not only that as well, Valtteri Bottas and, you know, Bottas wanted the Ferrari switch by the sounds of it. Williams weren't willing to waive that £10 million clause in his contract as a buyout as, you know, to, for Ferrari to get him. Ferrari didn't want to pay the extra ten mil, And, um, yeah, Bottas has to, has, to, has to have that awkward moment where he walks back into the Williams garage like nothing's happened. And uh, <laughs> even, even though he wanted to quit the team, it's like, oh, hi, guys. Um, yeah, about that whole Ferrari thing. Uh, <sighs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just awkwardness everywhere.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's the problem. You know what? The problem is is now is that Bottas has now kind of stepped in dog shit now because the problem is, is that there is not a better seat around now than the Williams he's in. You know, Bottas said at the start of the season he wants to be in the best car available. There is no better car available now. And, you know, Mercedes have already confirmed their lineup and Ferrari have now confirmed their lineup. So Bottas is kind of dangling on his own nuts now as a result of basically this cock up so to speak. Yeah,
1: and it's uh, he's he's stuck at Williams. There's no other way to put this. He's he's stuck at Williams because he's not gonna go to Haas.
0: Yeah, and no, I don't see why you do that. I think that's way too high risk. Um, I mean, what, what would be the upside in going to set maybe pay? But I mean, yeah, I just, I just, I just don't see how that makes any sense personally. So, I mean, Motorsport.com were trying to plug that it's still, it still might be an exciting driver market. No, <laughs> like. Like, I think it's half the field have already got their seats confirmed now pretty much you know we we know Mercedes have confirmed Hamilton and Rosberg Ferrari have confirmed Vettel and Raikkonen. um massa Massa's been confirmed already Verstappen's been confirmed at Toro Rosso for next year already uh, the, the Saubers are confirmed with Nazar and Ericsson for another year and you know Hülkenberg's just announced he's staying next year as well so are roughly, yeah, half the field. Half the field are confirmed for next year as it is. So, there really isn't much more for Hulkenberg to go to at all, if anything, or for Bottas to go, but down, and I don't think Red Bull are going to change their lineup up either, I'm seeing, given both drivers have been pretty good for them this season already, so yeah, it's it's real awkward for Val at the moment.
1: Yeah, I... <laughs> it, it... He's stuck. Like, maybe next year, because it doesn't seem like Ferrari are going to keep Kimi Räikkönen in for 2017, so there's hope there that Ferrari decide to pick up pick up someone on the outside. Even though they also uh, Mauricio Reus also said that the Ferrari Academy isn't shutting down soon, which kind of hints at maybe they're looking looking to promote from within next time round.
0: Yeah, and that would obviously put Vernon and Gutierrez in in contention as well. So. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ins and outs in all this. And um, yeah, I mean, what's the point of the Academy if you're not going to eventually put a guy in a seat? I mean, that's that's the way I look at it. Um, and I'm sure Red will do too, because they've, they've actually detrimented many a career to keep the conveyor belt moving. So that's just the nature of them. I mean, do you ever see Dean Stoneman making it into F1 King? <laughs> maybe if he gets really lucky and maybe if, if a new team
1: comes rolling in, that's the only hope. Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry, Lester. Um <laughs> But um yeah, that's that's the short of it really, driver market wise. But a lot of talk circulating around the Lotus Garage um this past weekend, obviously, like Grosjean getting on the podium was a nice bonus for them, you know, a, a, a well-earned podium for Grosjean. I, I call that like a loyalty bonus for basically sticking around with the team that's been so bad for the last couple of uh, couple of seasons now. Um, but yeah, for, uh, Lotus and Grosjean's first podium since the 2013 American Grand Prix Cota. And um, yeah, a lot going on down there at the moment with Charles Peake suing the team king.
1: Yeah apparently Charles speaks suing the team because he was they were contractually obligated to provide him seat time, which they did not do, and he decided to take legal action.
0: Can't say I blame him, to be honest. Hey King, I mean we had this with Guido Vandergaard after Australia where like you'd think Lotus would have learned their lesson here, that uh, you know after the Guido Van der incident where you know Van quite rightly sued and and you know settled this case out of court with Salba after basically not getting what he was promised. You'd think Lotus might might have looked over Charles Peak's contract and thought hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We may have to give him a seat, guys. But no, no, no. We're putting Palmer in. We're keeping Palmer in here. He's the project. No, <laughs> no. Um, so Charles Peak, absolutely within his right to sue if he's not been given what he was promised in said contract. And people don't realise. I know a lot because King is. Is it strange that a lot of people felt that like like Peak was in the wrong for this? Uh, like the situation, like <laughs> it felt the same as. Uh,
1: sovereign australia where people thought guido vandergaard were in the wrong they'll always defend the team when they feel like oh the team's gonna get shut down and not be able to race
0: yeah i guess that's just because that's just the, the, the natural defensive reaction of someone in charge to say oh look well, well you know the team might go down and it's all your fault and i'm like well tell them to write a better contract then you know it's just it's 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 not the driver's fault that that, they weren't given what they were promised, they have every right to sue so, you know, I guess the driver becomes public enemy number one, but if you've been given something in a contract and you and you didn't get it, what would you do? I mean, you'd sue, <laughs> especially if you're American. <laughs> that's the American way. You sue the crap out of somebody. But, um, yeah, Charles Peak sued the team. We saw the knock-on effect of that because the bailiffs had had um, the cars trapped inside of Spa for four or five extra days. Like, well, they're just stuck here now. And, um, I mean, imagine the Lotus team thinking, hey, we're stuck here for a few days. We can have all the chips, mayonnaise, and champagne we could possibly ask for.
1: <laughs> oh dear! It's
0: like we we, we, can, we, can this, we we can we can stick this out for a few days. What could possibly go wrong? So <laughs> like I, I quite like it around these parts. Um, but uh, yeah, you know they, they were they were let go on Thursday we, we saw him we saw him drive off into the sunset, and they're going to obviously beat Alonso without much of a problem. But this legal battle, I'm sure, will go on. In the meantime. Also, it looks like Lotus are about to get bought out, King.
1: Yeah, it looks like Lotus are about to be bought out by none other than Renault.
0: (laughs) Renault. Um, Yeah, it looks like Renault will be coming back as a factory team next season or the season after, King?
1: Uh, It's looking like next season more likely than not, because that's what happens when you buy a team, you immediately become the owners of it.
0: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. I guess you know you, you can start printing out the Renault sticky tape, sticky tape from now and say, yeah, it's Renault now. We can we can we can plaster this part of the car over and the whole black and gold thing. We don't like that very much. We'll bring back the yellow. Yay! <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. Uh, it's this like they're buying out. I think I'm hearing sixty sixty five percent of the team. I'm hearing.
1: Yeah, basically, Renault the corporation would buy sixty five percent of the team. Gerard Lopez keeps ten percent. No, keeps twenty-five percent. And uh Alan Pros would become a, effectively executive exec, non executive chairman and buy ten percent of the team.
0: Ooh, nice. I I like that title, non executive chairman. It's like you get the benefit of being the chairman with all without, without all the responsibility stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it
1: it's effectively the same position that Nicky Lauda has yeah, at, Nicky for, at, mm. at Mercedes.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, oh, isn't that Nicky Lauda's job? Yeah, it is. So <laughs> like, what does Nicky Lauda actually do? <laughs> I wonder. It's like, just go around, just just talk to his drivers a little bit and, you know, look funny on an interview, basically. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Alan Frost, we'll see, will be, will be seeing more of him next year, more unlikely. But But uh, what are we expecting from Renault next year, then, King? Is that the case? Because like, I'm hearing Carlos gosen has already signed off for a big budget with Renault next year. Uh
1: Basically, they want to save face and stick it to Red Bull, even though they'll be supplying Red Bull with engines.
0: hmm Even though Christian Horner says he wants to break his contract, but, ugh. Ooh, yeah, so that, that's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a fun legal wrangling to keep an eye on over the rest of the season. But, um yeah that's gonna be a thing um but yeah i mean i don't know what Renault's gonna to, going to do i mean you think that's the motivation beat red bull after all the uh you know the commotion of their how to have had their relationship has broken down over the last few years and yeah um yeah i, I can i can only hope Renault comes back well because i mean i kind of want to see Renault do well just to make things a bit more interesting at the top but i think the amount of they've got to play catch up is not ideal
1: yeah, effectively, what they're trying to do, while they sign off in such a big budget, because number one, they're buying a team. Number two, uh, they're also looking to buy some shares in Force India, and effectively, you know, be able to maintain a presence in Formula One independent of Red Bull, because this season, the only teams they supplied were Red Bull teams.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, they, they, obviously, they lost Lotus last year. To Mercedes uh, Mercedes power and uh, yeah, that's that's how it's kind of become now. Um, But yeah, um, going on from here, it's just it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Lotus team. It's the Enstone team, are are a good team. Uh, Interesting to see how the social media team ends up. That's going to be a fun one to keep an eye on as well. Like, oh no, they've changed their username. What does it mean, (laughs) (laughs) so to speak? But um, yeah, King. Apparently, there was also a race this weekend.
1: Yeah, there was. uh yeah there was a race that weekend in in belgium (laughs) Mm. yeah i to be honest like that was like this weekend did i did i miss a race after belgium
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's my bad that's my bad but um yeah it was kind of nondescript really um yeah um hamilton won rosberg second grosjean third the, the big news point was Sebastian Vettel. Um, only, only this time for the wrong reasons, this this, this time around as his tyre exploded with about two laps to go in the Grand Prix. Um, shocking, kind of came out of nowhere, really, and uh, King has, has drawn quite a large reaction, and I think people are pointing fingers which way any the other.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, it was basically... Yes, Pirelli investigated the incident, but they haven't released their, their findings they're, they said they're going to release it in at Monza but they say that you know they're surprised that Ferrari would even try one stop
0: yeah and Vettel was kind of cautious about that when he said himself hey look for another stop if it makes sense fellas and you know Ferrari were adamant that it was going to work and like do Ferrari have some of the blame here because going by what Pirelli told them why wouldn't they run a one stopper if they felt like it, was, like it was the best thing to do given they started 8th <laughs>
1: Yeah, it seems like either, you know, Pirelli didn't think, oh, one stop, no one will ever try that, or something just strange to happen in that particular tire
0: that caused it to fail, I don't know, I'm just speculating at this point. Because that's all we can do. Because nobody knows how this thing blew up. And I know a lot of people on the internet were being all cynical, saying, "Oh well, he ran off. He went off track all these times, and that's what did it." How on earth does going off track cause cause a tire failure? Buxton. Bu- <laughs> Buxton, <laughs> Tiffany Dell, half of half of the F one community on Twitter, idiots, so to speak. <laughs> it's like. Buxton, Tiff, Nadell, because Tiff said the same thing. He's like, oh, if you go off track all the time, you know, it's bound to... How? How? Yeah, (laughs) I
1: I, I think it's just everyone kind of, you know, uh, just fuming over, you know, track limits not being enforced and saying, oh, it's
0: rightly justified that this happened to Vettel because he ran off track. Yet nobody said the same thing when Nico Rosberg's tire blew up two days prior. Because that's practice. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course, practice doesn't count. <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah, because, like, they only just came out of an investigation regarding Rosberg's tire failure, which was which seemingly was much more random at the time because it just came out of nowhere like that, and very scary accident. Rosberg, very lucky not to put it in the wall at 160 like we saw in the GP2 races um, with the Yong there, but um, apparently they're, they're saying they're revealing the results of this investigation at Monza, I'm hearing, King? Uh, yeah, they'll
1: release their findings at Monza, but uh, I'd be interested to see what they actually, you know, discovered.
0: Yeah, and, um... I'm not sure what they'll come up with on that one. I mean, they guessed it may have been a, something, some part of the track, some diamond edge that may have caused that, or some rough edge, or something. You know, the fact that I'm even describing it like that probably says a <laughs> lot about 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 Pirelli's own state of play on that one, basically. But, uh... You know, everyone just seemed to have a speculative theory about the whole thing. My my stance was like, I didn't see the race live. I was out. I was out with my dad at the time, and I and I came back home, saw the news, tweeted effing bollocks, basically like, well wow, that was some shit, wasn't it? And <laughs> yeah. I asked people. I asked people, I was like, oh, so what caused Vettel's puncture? And I got like four different reasons, and to which my response was, okay, if this is the case, and I'm getting this kind of mixed opinion, how on earth can anyone say with conviction they know what happened to cause Vettel's failure? No one knows. <laughs> like, no one, like, as we mentioned, no one knows. Like, not even Peretti know what caused that accident. How the fuck do you know? Uh, seriously. And, 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 yeah, like, I got quite angry at that quite quickly because people are just idiots sometimes. I'll just buy anything that comes out of an F1 journalist's mouth, Buxton. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it was a... A city situation, and, you know, Vettel had every right to be angry, because, you know, nobody had an explanation for his failure, and like he said, that happens 300 metres earlier, he, he's probably not standing there talking about said accident, because that was going up a Rouge at 195 miles an hour, so, you know, not the best place to have a blowout, so to speak, but um, yeah, an angry reaction from Seb, and, you know, rightly so, I would argue as well, but um, yeah, Belgian Grand Prix. You can kind of check it out. I think it was okay. It was no. I, mean, I think everybody was expecting rain. It didn't come. I think it was the first time in about five years that a, a, a Belgian weekend had no form of rain in, over the course of the weekend, which is kind of bizarre, really. But hey, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but um, also, if there's one thing you should see from that race, it's Max Verstappen passing Felipe Nazar round the outside of Blanchimont towards the bus stop at 200 miles an hour the, he's 17 the man has no fear <laughs> he, he and apparently the revelation was he ended up learning how to do that via FSR and via sim racing in general online what a baller <laughs> yeah. Max Verstappen truly a hero of our times um, but yeah we're going to take another quick musical break and we'll come back with some Murdo GP talk king we had moto gp this this past weekend at silverstone and the british weather certainly came along to play for the ride on this one and uh yeah a a crazy race in the end for many many different reasons and it turns out to be a, a big one for valentino rossi
1: yeah valentino rossi gets a win in tremendous fashion based on what happened behind him most of the race.
0: Yeah, it was it was kind of a weird race in this regard because Marquez was, was was keeping chase all the way through. What we didn't know was that Marquez was really pushing to keep up with Valentino that day because Marquez said after the race he took a risk. Um, the team had to take a risk, and you know it turned it up. It turned out it backfired, and down he went um, at turn one. Um, it's a shame for Marquez that pretty much ends his championship hopes for the season. And a real shame was I was hoping Marquez would be the X factor. And I know a lot of people told me this themselves, that they were hoping Marquez would basically get in there and rough people up over the second half of the year, like Lorenzo did last season. And um, yeah, Marquez going down in a blaze of glory, so to speak. Um, (laughs) But his, his torch was picked up by Danilo Petrucci, who somehow finished in second. Um, from 18th on the grid (laughs) it was a ridiculous performance for some reason ducati's old gp14 really has a knack of handling itself well whenever it rains i don't understand how it happens it just does
1: yeah it was an incredible performance from patrucci and i've yeah that was the first time i've seen a ducati perform that well in a long time
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, probably not since the opening round of this season when Dovi was pushing Rossi at the opening round in Qatar. But um, Petrucci, his first ever career podium in any class he's ever taken part in. Um, I think that's the best result in the history of Pramac Racing as well, to finish in second, as it seems. That's, a, that's a, a team best finish as well. A Spectacular, he was gunning down Rossi at a rate of knots. It kind of gave us the fake sense of illusion because Rossi said he apparently slowed down quite heavily after Marquez crashed. (laughs) So it kind of gave us the illusion that Petrucci was getting closer, but Rossi was in complete control from start to finish. Didn't put a foot wrong, tiptoed his way around, and got his 86th career top-class victory. And, good news for him, it's kind of like a bit of a hammer blow to Lorenzo, because Lorenzo finished down in fourth. Um, He he still seems to have the wet-weather yips, King.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what to say. But it's <laughs> I I mean Jorge is
0: the uh, it, it just wasn't his day. It just wasn't his day. <laughs> it's like after all that thought process, and that's what he came out of in the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it w- it was easy to forget that Jorge was even there.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was because he was in he was in the second pack of Petrucci trying to give chase. You have him, then you had Dovizioso behind who also ended up on the podium in third. Lorenzo fourth, and he was just ahead of Danny Pedrosa in fifth. And that's that. That was the second pack, and Rossi was kind of on his own by that point, basically. And, um, yeah, Lorenzo... like Lorenzo, first of all, no, don't know. Lorenzo had the big accident at Assen a couple of years ago where he had a high side at 140 miles an hour in the, way, in, the, in the rain, and as a result, he separated his shoulder. He had it operated on, and he came back to Assen to race the next day. <laughs> Somehow finished in fifth. Um, he's kind of had the yips over weather ever since, really. He's always seemed to struggle. He doesn't have the same level of confidence in the rain that, um other guys, I think, and I think that stems back to that incident, and um, yeah, it kind of hurt him, because Lorenzo finishing fourth means Rossi now has a 12-point lead in the championship again, just when Lorenzo got ahead for the first time this season, he's now got to start chasing Rossi again, and it was a track that Lorenzo was looking strong around all weekend long, he was second in qualifying, and um, yeah, a, a disaster weekend for Lorenzo, really, blamed the visor at the end of the race, I'm not sure whether it was that way, or just the raindrops in his head, that caused that problem, but um, a disappointing um, result for Lorenzo, and a disappointing day for LCR King as well.
1: Oh dear, very disappointing from LCR. It looked like it could have been one of their brightest races, but uh,
0: things did not go well. <laughs> Th- things, things, When things didn't go well, it didn't go well quickly. <laughs> no, and that was the situation we were in here, and p- 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 Miller... It was astonishing that Jack Miller was even up there with the leading pack after what basically was, you know, a a really, really good start from Miller. He'd gotten up there in the leading pack and whatnot, and next thing you know, he takes a complete lunging dive bomb into the chicane in Sector 2. And unfortunately, what made it doubly bad was that the victim going onto the apex at the time was Cal Crutchlow. Jack Miller basically torpedoes them both. They both go into the gravel. They're both out of the race. And yeah, Jack Miller once again completely alienated himself in the field. And race direction was not happy about that. They had they gave him another reprimand, saying Jack, do really do not do this again, please. Uh, basically, and you know Jack had to publicly come out and apologise for it. it. It was a bonehead move. It really was, and. Um, what more can you say really is a real disappointment because Miller was on on track for a top 5 finish which would have been just insane i mean oh. it, it, it was like a microcosm of you know jack miller's career so far very fast very talented but very reckless and and that was completely reckless yeah it
1: looked like it was going to be a smooth top 5 foliage for captain jack miller but he piloted the rms titanic straight into that iceberg <laughs>
0: How long did it take you to think, up, to, think, to think that one up, really? Like five seconds. <laughs> well, you're a better man than me. It's better than I think I could have come up with. <laughs> but um, there you go. Um, also, definitely worth mentioning as well that um, King, your beloved favorite, Nikki Hayden.
1: <laughs> whoa, whoa. I use the term favorite loosely. <laughs> <laughs> really?
0: Really? <laughs> yeah you're you gotta back me it's the last american standing you gotta back him right <sighs> no <laughs> i'll take that as i know then um <laughs> but yeah nicky hayden was the top open class runner there in 12th place for the aspar team kind of in his own He was eight seconds behind Vinyardes and 19 ahead of hector barbara behind him so nick hayden was literally in no man's land for that entire race but uh yay what well on Nicky Hayden on being the top open class runner full result Valentino Rossi taking the win by 3 seconds ahead of Danilo Petrucci Andrea Iviczoza back on the podium for the first time in five races in third Jorge Lorenzo fourth who had completely abandoned Danny Pedrosa by that point in fifth place Scott Redding who announced you know today that he's going to the uh Pramac Ducati team next year leaving um, the Mark VDS Honda team the team that brought him up to the top class which is kind of funny really uh, Redin' just stabbing his team in the back like hey <laughs> I'm out of here that Ducati looks nice <laughs> uh, so yeah Redding he's a he's a and hey what a time to do it he finished 6th his career high finish in MotoGP in 6th position there on the mark, VDS Honda, ahead of Bradley Smith in 7th, once again uh, well, once again beating his teammate, Paul, who crashed in the middle of the race, Andre Ianoni in 8th Alicia Spagaro in 9th for Suzuki, and Alvaro Bautista again in the top 10 for a pretty, a brilliant job from the from the Spaniard there um, ahead of Maverick Vignadas in 11th Nicky Hayden, as we said, top open class runner in 12th, Hector Barbera 13th, Mike Demeglio 14th and Alex De Angelis. Alex De Angelis for ART Got the last point in 15th place. <laughs> what on earth? <laughs> I, I do not even know how that happened. But um, also, there were six retirements. Paulus Spagaro, like we said, Mark Marquez did not finish. Stefan Bradle crashed. And then Jack Miller dive bombed Crutchlow into oblivion. And Yoni Hernandez crashed out at turn one. So there you go. Um, moving on to Moto 2 King. And um, yeah, Johan Zarco. He's kind of a different mustard at this whole thing, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean that the sums it up really. I mean, we had Yeah, you know, we uh, Zarko was in the was in the lead impact for a little while. Um Sam Lowe's was on pole, but he dropped like a stone. And uh, to counter that, you know, ended up you, you had Alex Rins leading the way for a little while, you had Rabat in the lead impact, and then Zarko passed Took the lead and then it was gone. <laughs> the, the level of Zarco's confidence on that bike is just utterly insane, and yeah, a, a brilliant, brilliant performance from Zarco to take the win like that. And um, it was quite crazy behind them as well because you had Alex Rins, Tito Rabat, and Alex Marquez in their own little pack with Jonas Volga just hanging off the edge as well. But uh, the two VDS boys are scrapping all race long, and how refreshing was it to see Alex Marquez at the front, King? Yeah.
1: It's not that often you see Alex Marquez up the front. Maybe you see him around like, what, 10th, 12th? Yeah never see him at the front.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, it's like the last two rounds, Marquez really seems to have found himself because he was four for Bruneau right behind Alex Rins for most of the Grand Prix where that was concerned. And it happened again here. It just, just, they had no, no problem diving it down the inside of his teammates. So Marquez <laughs> has got the confidence there. It's like he's really kicked on um, from f- after the summer break. And he looks he looks rejuvenated. And he looks like he's back to his Moto3 best, which, you know, he's, he looks like he's a bit of a slow learner, but it's like he may have gotten there just a shame Alex Rins kind of got there first really but um, that's a discussion for another day but uh, Rabat completely shredded his front tyre his front and rear tyres Like you may have seen pictures of it after the race and you could see it was basically a slick after the race after yeah. after, after 18 laps of Silverstone the longest track we go to on the Moto2 or GP calendar in general um, cool. his tyre was completely shredded there was chunks coming off it during the race as you could see on the high motion cameras and uh yeah just a just a you know third is not a bad result for Rabat. but the problem is zarko won and again and you know it's like he's he's battling rins for second in the championship and he fell behind him as well which isn't a good look more than anything else here's the rundown zarko taking the win by 3.3 seconds over alex rins we have tito rabat there in 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 third another couple of seconds back alex marquez matching his career high from bruno in fourth of back-to-back fourth place finishes um, over there. Jonas Volga in 5th. We have Sam Lowe's in 6th, who started on pole but finished 28 seconds off the win. Hmm. Not sure how that ended up, Sam. But uh, What we found funny before we went on the air was we were talking about how Sam Lowe's was actually celebrating with the British fans after his shit performance, really. and It's like, was he trying to cover up his own insecurity by trying to celebrate with the Brits even though he came in sick, which is not a good result for Sam.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a good result for anyone who starts on pole. Exactly. I mean, before I start, sorry, not sorry, Bex, but Sam Lewis should not be celebrating (laughs) coming in sixth place. Yes, sixth place would have been impressive
0: if he started ninth, but no, he started on pole and ended up ninth after, what, like three laps? Yeah, it wasn't a good look, and he you you could tell he was kind of kidding himself because he punched his fuel tank after he crossed the line. He knew... that was a poor performance from Sam and it was a missed opportunity on that one and I know Sam and Speed Up have not got along very well it's probably going to be Sam's last season with the team he's probably going to a prettier next year in MotoGP um, alongside Alvaro Bautista but um, just not a good day at the office for Sam in a home round as well he was the first Brit to qualify on pole um, since 1977 and Barry Sheen did it um, and it just didn't turn out very well for him Oh. There you go, Anthony West, the rainmeister, in seventh place. There, like whenever it rains, you can bank on Anthony West <laughs> being up there. Happened last year at Assen, happened again this year. Seventh place, great result for Anthony West on the speed up there. Out of Sandro Cortese in eighth. Uh, Thomas Luty in 9th, great result for Ricky Cardus um, there in 10th place, and um, making his return to Moto2 after being dumped by Tech 3, and then beating a Tech 3 in 11th place of Marshall Schrotter. we we'll stick one to the team there, Ricky. Um, Marshall Schrotter in 11th, um, Ricky grandi Kriminaka in 12th, Dominique Agata in 13th, Takanakagami in 14th, and Axel Pons getting the last of the points in 15th place. Only four retirements. The uh, British Wildcard Bradley Ray did not finish as well as Simone Corsi. Lorenzo Baldassari, who was taken out by said teammate Corsi. So yeah, we had two teammate incidents in the same same weekend which is uh, not a good look and... Titapong Weckerorn there for the uh, APH PTT, the pizza SAG Caddx team there. who crashed two laps from the end. Also, I've got to give a mention as well, Florian Out, who got the fastest lap of the race <laughs> because he was on the dry tyres at the end there on lap 18, the 213.7. So, hey, Florian, get that sponsor time because he was right up there with the front um, <laughs> bat- trying to unlap himself and he actually did as well. Fair play to him. So, hey, the Emotion motion Iota racing team getting all that sponsor money they can get by getting on the hard for for way more than what they normally would Um, moving on to Moto3 and unfortunately King didn't get a chance to see this one and trust me he didn't really miss very much in the end anyway because the rain came down proper hard by the time we got to the Moto3 in, in Silverstone it's a weird thing where the Moto3 race goes on last while the MotoGP race is in the middle. It, it only happens at Silverstone. I don't actually know why that is. If somebody could fill me in, shoot the show an email, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it's just one of those things. But it kind of turned into a coronation for Danny Kent, um, given that pretty much every major rival he had for the championship hit the deck between that point and the end of the race. And um, yeah, it was a coronation. Danny Kent taking the win by eight point five seconds, and it was a. Let let's me see this way here. Kent won by eight and a half seconds. Jakob Cornfile was second, a career high finish for Cornfile's His first podium in second place for the Drive ms Seven KTM team in second. Niccolo Antonelli, after waiting t- like so many rounds for a podium, two comes along at once like a London bus. Antonelli third, and then <clears throat> like, Antonelli was thirteen seconds off the win. Next man Fabio Quattaro was 50 seconds off Danny. Oh <laughs> my god. Normally Moto3 is a class where you have maybe 10 guys in, within 2 seconds of the field. Yeah, Quattrara was fourth and was 50 seconds behind Danica. Nearly half a lap. Um, Yeah, Quattrara, 50 seconds behind, but Quattrara in fourth. A good result and a necessary result for him um, after a bad run of form lately for the Galicia team. Livio Loy in fifth place. Um, Yeah, Loy again up there in in the rain. (laughs) He did it in Indianapolis and he's done it again here somehow. And uh, yeah, Loy qualified in 28th place and finished in fifth. 23 places above where he started on the grid. Monumental result for Livio Loy. Well done, that 12 year old Belgian fella. Um, <laughs> he finished ahead of John McPhee in sixth, who I'm still pissed off about, only because Keith Ewan's commentary was fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like Andrea Locatelli crashed, and what does Keith Ewan say on commentary? Oh, well, that's more points for McPhee. Yeah, fuck you, Ewan. <laughs> you dick. What is wrong with you? Um, McPhee in sixth, Juan Frank Rivera in seventh, Lorenzo Della Porta gets his first birthday three points in 8th place, um, ahead of Efren Vasquez in ninth. Tatsuki Suzuki for the CIP team, uh, for the Himahindra team there in uh, 10th place, Alexis Masbu in 11th, ahead of Romano Fanati, who crashed and got back on again in 12th place, Miguel Oliveira, who was nowhere to be seen or raced long in 13th, ahead of um, Kairi Rudin in 14th, and Andrea Migno of of the VR46 team in 15th. Now, only 20 bikes made it over the line funnily enough there was 16 riders who did not finish deep breath right? um <laughs> G- Gabriel Rodrigo and Jorge Navarro did not make it past the opening lap Mateo Ferrari crashed out. Anna Carrasco crashed out. Maria Herrera from fifth place dropped out. And that would have been the best female finish in Moto3 for years. Um, Isaac Viñadez crashed out from the lead as well. Carol Haneke crashed on the opening lap. Brad Binder crashed on lap three. Jules Danilo... Um, did not finish Jorge Martin of the Rebel Rookies champion this year did not finish Alessandro and Cianucci Darren Binder Andrea Locatelli Stefano Manzi Francesco Bagniaya and Enna Bastianini the big name that did not make it at the end there and effectively gift wrapped the championship to, to Danny Kent because after a couple of really good days at the office for Danny Kent and a couple of really really good rounds Um, All the damage has been undone because Enya not finishing and Danny Kent winning means his championship lead is back up to 70 points with just six rounds to go. It really is looking like it's it's Danny Kent's championship to lose at this point. Enya still has a 28-point advantage on Romano Fanati and Efren Vasquez is a further 10 points back with 116 king i think we're done here <laughs> yeah we're, we're we're done and
1: i think the moto three season is done
0: <laughs> yep and the moto two season is probably done too given that i think Zarko has got something like a i think let me just double check i think it's got like a 90 point lead now i think um did him a math here real quick, Dre. Eighty-five points. Zarko has a lead on Alex Rins in, in the Moto 2 championship of 164 to Zarko's 249. Zarko is actually on track to smash Rabat's points record. He set just last season. Um, <laughs> and like Rabat's season last year was the greatest intermediate season in Moto GP history. That record might last a year. <laughs> Zarco has now had five wins for the year, and that was his 11th consecutive podium, because Valentino Rossi isn't the only person that can do long streaks. <laughs> but um, there we go, King. Anything else you want to say and plug real quick before we go?
1: Uh, no, just the usual. You could follow me on Twitter, at RyanEricKing, and you could check out FormulaI.NYC. And congratulations
0: to Prince Daniel, Duke of Kent, on basically securing the Moto 3 championship. Who knew the power of being able to float on clouds and basically be amazing would be so valuable? (laughs) Yeah. As the world few commentators demonstrated by basically kissing his ass at every given opportunity. (laughs) Like, it it makes me hate being British sometimes. It's why I was rooting for Jamaica at the world championships this year in the athletics, for God's sakes. Like, God, the British narrative is so boring sometimes, it really is. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, go Jamaica. Second in the medal table. We got beaten by the Kenyans. Yay! Yay! Um, Who knew learning to throw Javin off YouTube would be so valuable oh god god damn it there you go Uh, but uh yeah we crushed it fuck you gatlin (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah there we go you know where to find me you can find the website you can find the podcast on the website as well as well as being on itunes we will be back next week to talk about the italian grand prix and and definitely how exciting it absolutely will be um but until next time I've been Andre Harrison. He's been Ryan King. Until next time, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Bye.